Welcome to Level Up with Sherelle and Danny. We're here to help you take your health, fitness, and mindset to the next level. It's time to level up. Hello, and welcome to today's episode of Level Up with Sherelle and Danny. Today, we are talking about rituals and habits. Yeah, and we can't believe that we haven't actually done one on habits and routines because it's such a fundamental part in health and fitness. For sure. I feel like we've touched on little bits like here and there throughout the episodes, but we haven't actually dedicated a whole episode to this, which is crazy because it's so important. Yeah, it's the foundation pillar of making progress. And I think, you know, habits, like even defining them, they're the small behaviors of routines and tasks that we do on autopilot. They make up majority of what we do throughout the day. So if we can't take control or understand how to um, ingrain new habits or perhaps even stop doing um, ones that do not serve us, you know, then how can we really become the person that we want to or achieve our goals? And it is really interesting because, as you mentioned, they do become autopilot, which is Mm. crazy because they might be serving us, which is awesome, but they might not be. So today Mm. we're going to discuss not only what rituals and habits are, but some of our key rituals and habits that we have implemented over the course of our lives. So I'm excited to get Mm. into it. And I think a lot of people uh, who start dabbling in the habits and, you know, read the books and we all do similar uh, favourable and unfavourable habits or we all want to Mm. ingrain positive ones that are very routine, you know, like to do with our nutrition and our training. And it's very much a, a snowball effect, right? Like it always starts at the start, just wanting to have consistency with something, get to the gym three days a week, do those sorts of things. And surely over time they manifest and they become more advanced as you do. Yeah, for sure. So let's go through some of the steps because I know a lot of people can feel quite overwhelmed when it comes to this stuff and not knowing where to start. So hopefully the way that we've laid out today makes things a little bit more simple for everyone who's listening. What's step one, Cheryl? Step one is make it easy. Mm -hmm. And When you start learning about habits, for those who haven't as well, a really fantastic book that lays out and makes it really easy is something called Atomic Habits. Have you read that one, Danny? I have, actually. It's a really good one. I think we spoke about that with Alyssa, wasn't it? Probably. Oh, we've probably. I I, I spend that all the time. Mm. But it's... um, you know, that book really does highlight about making things easy because motivation does come and go and willpower will always fatigue, but little by little can add up to be a lot. So when you're trying to set a new habit, making sure that you're making it super easy, super convenient, right in front of your face goes a long way. Yeah. Yeah. And get excited about it. Even if it's something so easy, like drink two liters of water today, Tick that shit off. It's going to make you feel good. Like, you know, <laughs> celebrate the small wins and, and then build upon that slowly. But make it easy, celebrate it, and then we build from there. Yeah. And I think as well, like if you're say wanting to, if you wanted to squat a hundred kilos, right. You're not going to jump in and be like, I'm going to squat a hundred kilos. Mm. You're going to start right back at the start and be like, I'm going to squat with five kilos on each side. Now I'm going to squat with 10 kilos and you're going to build yeah. it up and you're going to make it as easy and as frictionless as possible for you. Yeah. And that ties into step two. So the first one, make it easy. Second one, make it tiny. Oh, these, yeah. these are cute. So little by little becomes a lot and all of those one percenters add up and quickly mm. as well. Mm. 
Yeah. And a lot of the time when you start ingraining or, or putting in place to do a new habit, I want to go for a walk in the morning, right? We always go, I want to go for a walk. I'm going to go for an hour walk. Don't mm. do that. Just be like, I'm going to go for a 10 minute walk. And when I started walking in the morning, I started out by just walking around the block because it was really easy. It was really small and it was so easy and small that I couldn't make up excuses for myself because I was Mm. like, it's going to take five minutes. And then surely I'd walk around the block, come back inside, do your thing. And then the next day I'd walk around the block and you do it for a while. And then I'm like, now I want to go a bit further. Like, and then, so you go a bit further and then all of a sudden it's 20 minutes. And that's how you like, stack those habits and make them long term yeah brilliant because that's what we're all about doing things for the long term for sure Mm. number three make it known oh all right being public about it so yeah you know your partner a coach social media we've all sort of put things out there and like well shit now i'm gonna have to do it and i've told people about it (laughs) yeah i always do that with um preps and diets and stuff like that i'm like Mm. all right posting my check-in I'm telling everyone that I'm doing this I'm making it known it's really important because it makes it real and I feel like when you don't announce something well for me anyways if I don't announce something it's probably because I'm subconsciously a bit afraid of not achieving it so when you do come out and you're like I'm doing this and you say it to the world you're like this is real there's no option b there's nothing I'm going to fall back on it's just this is where I'm going yeah, yeah. I've got a crazy habit of doing this, but like telling everyone things and then not doing it as well. So that is a part of, you know, <laughs> me, how I was going to move like into state. Oh, yeah. Do this yeah. or this or did that. But, oh, well, here to be real and, and we do change our mind as well. So it's still cool to make it known. And then you get that added support from the people. Like you don't have to tell people everything that you're doing. A, no one really mm. cares. And B, that's dangerous because you don't want advice from everyone, but because oh, yeah. you make it known to, it's really important. Yeah. And, you know, you don't have to post everything to prove it, right? Like, you know, mm. it's sometimes it's fun to achieve stuff on your own um, and not tell people. I always like doing that. It's like, oh, I've been dieting for six weeks for a prep that I haven't announced yet. Like I sort of find that fun. Um, yep. But when you need accountability is sometimes it can be a good tool to be like, okay, I'm putting this out into the universe. Yeah. So not only having myself to hold me accountable but also my friends and family who are going to question me and um Mm. you know um a girl on instagram that i follow jenna davies who you probably follow as well she was posting about having an accountability partner and i thought that is fantastic yeah like like we all have coaches but to actually be like to a friend like that's messaging you get up like you guys yeah Yeah, i think that's so cool because um you know again it's that not wanting to let someone else down, but then having a cheerleader in your corner as well. Yeah, for sure. I'd like to consider you and I accountability partners. Oh, I think we are. I'll pull yeah. you up on it. bullshit and vice versa. Yeah, <laughs> I was waiting for that. My oh, vice versa. We're good. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so the last, uh, not the last step four, make it consistent. Consistency mm. equals progress. And then we mm. get a little bit more motivation from that. Then more consistency comes from that and then it becomes a habit. So motivation yeah. isn't at the start. Take note of that. Consistency, progress, motivation, consistency, habit. Boom. Yeah. 
Yeah. And we know that, you know, motivation follows action. So I think that's where people get lost in that cycle is, you know, they, they are consistent for a little period of time. They get a bit of progress, but then they drop off because they're not consistent again. So, you know, it's a, it's a cycle and you've got to be consistent for a long period of time. It's not always going to be linear. It's not always going to be good days in the gym. It's not always going to be weight loss, you know, like, things come and go and you've got to stick in that cycle for long enough for the habit to be ingrained and you can get the long-term progress as well. Mm. Um, but yeah, being consistent is like, you know, it's not sexy. It's, it's just being consistent. And it's something yep. that a lot of people don't want to hear is like, well, what is the best exercise? And it's like, well, there is no best, but you know, it's just about doing the right ones for a long enough period of time. And then you will see the progress. Yeah, well, they say it takes like 10,000 reps to develop a skill. I always refer it back to like Jackie Chan and the martial artists. They're just practicing the same punch thousands of times. They don't go do one punch and then learn a different one. Like just Mm. stick with it for sure. But it doesm't have to be perfect. That's the thing Mm. that can debilitate people. And we have spoken on this before, how people identify with being a perfectionist. And then they just never take any action. So you're better off putting in the work. Yes, it might not be your best every time, but as we've been saying, it does add up. So consistency is better than perfection. Mm, Definitely. And even from like a neuroscience lens, you know, we know that, you know, neurons fire together and wire together. So that consistency is not only important for like developing a skill, but also to develop those neural connections and those pathways so they can turn into freeways and highways and it becomes habitual. I like what you said, people often get lost in that perfection and they worry about the progress rather than the process, you know, just being like, it's okay. Repetition is a part of that. Um, Something that um, Luke does that I love is he's like, nah, never miss twice. So when he was running and He'd be like, I, I just never missed twice. And I'm like, that's easy to remember. Like, just never miss twice. Like, sure, you're going to fall off. and Just pick yourself up and be okay with that. Mm, what do you mean by that? Sorry. <laughs> I need to elaborate. Never miss twice. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, like, if you have a bad day, just don't yeah. do it again tomorrow. Okay. So, it's like, so like the you, rule you of never miss strike. twice. You got one strike. Yeah. You need to get your shit together. Because it's like, you know, when you have a bad day, right, and then – you can pick yourself up pretty easily the next mm. day. But then if you have a following second bad day, it mm. just gets harder and harder the longer that you leave it. And then yep. it snowballs. And then that's when people are like, oh, I've had a really bad week. You know, like don't yeah. let a bad Saturday or a bad Sunday destroy your entire week. Just get back onto it. I love it. Never miss twice. Awesome. Very good. And step five. Make it your identity. I love this one. Particularly, this came out the most in competition. Like we acted like a pro before we became a pro and Mm. it became who we are and that. I wouldn't even say alter ego anymore. I used to say that an alter ego comes down on the stage, but no, actually, because alter egos can be quite fake. Like I used it at the start, but then you really have to embody who you are and and make it your identity. So when you say alter ego, do you mean like you're pretending to be something? Yeah, yeah. That's what my interpretation of alter ego is. And like, for for example, Beyonce, I I love using Beyonce. She's got Sasha Fierce. But I would challenge that and say that that actually is her character. 
just she yeah. knows when to turn it on and off kind of like us on the stage we know when to turn it on and off and to truly embody it and do it well you have to feel yeah. authentic so it can't be an yeah. alter ego it has to be who you are but you've just turned it on extra for that point in time yeah and just on that um that context of even stage for because i have absolutely no dance background no mm. coordination um and learning to pose was hard for me you know I had multiple posing coaches and did that for like years yeah um and I think at the start I was trying to do that too I was trying to be sexy and sexy isn't me I'm not sexy like I'm strong and I'm sassy no I'm not no don't do sexy (laughs) no clear cut no I do strong and like resting bitch face (laughs) okay yes you know but I don't do sexy and that's that's what I was trying to do is trying to have an ego that wasn't me and Mm. like yeah you've got to turn it up but you also got to turn that turn it up what you already are yeah that's very true actually for sure but the identity one is interesting because if you've ever read any habits book habit books this is one that really does resonate through them all in speaking about becoming um, the habit that you want to be and the example that's often used is about smoking and I unfortunately can relate to this because I did used to smoke. Um, so when I, when I was quitting, you know, a lot of my friends smoke and it's a very social thing to do, you know, drink in one hand, smoke in the other. How old were you? When I, I started I didn't actually smoking. know this. Well, maybe oh, I did, but I just, I'm laughing trying to imagine you. <laughs> yeah, oh, wow. Um, <laughs> I mean, like in high school, I smoked to be cool, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then I quit when I went to uni Mm. I was smoking and um, a lot of people that I went to uni with are from the city and they were sort of like what are you doing because I was from the country it was not the cool thing to do it was like the opposite yeah um and then so it was almost like embarrassing to smoke. So then I slowly started quitting. But then when I'd go home, it would be like everyone still smoke. It was so weird. So easily yeah. influenced when you're younger. But I quit when I was about 20, I want to mm. say, 19, 20. And I only smoked properly maybe a year. I think back now and I'm like, oh, God, never again. But when well, I was. thanks for sharing it. That's cool. That's okay. I'm all yeah. about being like. You being know, open. Being open. I'm an open book. Um, but when I was quitting, when I went home, because it was such a social thing to do and small country town, a lot of people would be able to relate to that. Um, it was sort of like, oh, no, I'm trying to quit. And people would be like, oh, just come on, like have mm. a smoke. And, but when you say, oh, I'm trying to quit, oh, just one, now nah, I'm sort of giving up, you know, whereas if you say I don't smoke, people aren't going to be like, well, have a smoke. You, you know, mm. like it'd be like me and you, daddy have a smoke and if you go oh I don't smoke I you wouldn't push something onto someone else when you're like oh well they don't and that's the same thing interesting yeah and that's the same thing that I did with drinking because um I sort of gave up alcohol for quite a while and I think I went like 12 18 months not because I didn't want to drink I just not because it was bad but just because I didn't want to if that made sense I just I didn't serve me and I sort of didn't get any hype. I don't like the taste of wine or beer. So it was more like I drank to get drunk. <laughs> so, yeah, when I just stopped saying, oh, no, I'm not really drinking, I'm having one, two, I don't drink. Yeah. People stopped offering, even though that wasn't really the truth. You know, like I'll have a drink if I want to. But if you sort of say, I actually don't do this and you identify as that person, it's the same as I say now, I'm an athlete. 
Mm. You know, like it's all perception and your own identity, but once you wear that, you can become it. Yeah, that's very interesting. And I love how you highlighted sort of an external factor. So people stopped offering you, but most definitely it comes from within. So if you are definitive within yourself, I don't smoke, you are less likely to give in to temptations as well. So it works both ways. Mm. Like it reflects out into the people around you, but then from within, you don't have to try and convince yourself because you already know, well, no, I don't smoke or I am an athlete. And Mm. I feel like that can work the other way. How you get people who are like, I'm just an anxious person or I'm, I'm just a late, I'm always late. Like you're telling yourself your own identity that you're, you're wearing, but yeah, language is super important, which we'll actually touch on a little bit later, but yeah, it can Mm. work both ways. Yeah, most definitely. And I, I used to always challenge people that would say, oh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a diabetic. And I'm like, no, 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 you have diabetes. Do you know okay. what I mean? It's like, yes. you know, you aren't your disease or the same. Like I have health. a bad back. It's like, well, no, actually. Yeah, for sure. You've got to separate yourself. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It's like I'm depressed. It's like you have depression right now. Like mm. it's. It's just the way you label it because I think, you know, it's easy to talk yourself uh, into being something like, what you know, it's so important. It's all, you know, James Clear and all these books that speak about neuroscience and habits and how we talk about ourselves. You know, neuroplasticity happens across a lifespan. So you can actually change the way that you think about yourself. Mm -hmm. And then when you argue that, that's all that reality in life is, is perception. So just always be careful with language. Yeah, for sure. And we'll definitely elaborate on that one because it's a big one. So should we get into some of our favorite habits and rituals? Absolutely. What's your number one? Well, it's not really in order of number one, I suppose, because I go through phases like I'm on and I'm doing these things and then life seems amazing and I'm like, sweet. And I drop the ball and I'm like, okay, for a bit. I'm like, "Mm, something doesn't feel right. And then I get back on it. So I'm back on this now, actually, particularly because of lockdown. I just had to get mm. things out on a piece of paper. So that brings us to journaling. And mm. yeah, so I go through phases of doing it versus not, but it's mm. so important to just write things down. And just to make clear, a journal is not a diary. So you're not there saying, dear diary today, blah, blah, blah. You record events that happen in your life and it allows you to analyze and evaluate them a little bit. So it might be a big jumble in your head. You get it out on the piece of paper and the amount of times I've looked at it and gone, oh, that story's not actually that bad. It was way worse in my head. Then you sort of see it and like, oh, well, rip the paper up and then get on with it. So it's a really Mm -hmm. powerful tool. Yeah, it is. Um, journaling is most definitely something that I like to use when I need to. And I think we spoke about this on another podcast. It's something that I don't do every night anymore, um, but just when I need to. But touching on, I guess, something that's important for me is just understanding boundaries. So rather than strict things that I do, it's more so like strict things that I don't do, you know, like and being like, okay, well, when I was at the hospital, for example, like double shifts, that was a boundary for me, clear cut. If Mm. I do that, it doesn't serve me at all. Financially, Mm. it's nice, but it's going to sort of snowball into all the other things I don't want. You know, surrounding yourself with positive people, understanding who the people that perhaps are energy drainers and that you don't want to surround yourself with. It's For me, it's more about boundaries that I don't like to cross. Obviously, like 
I love having a boundary of bedtime and, and like that sort of stuff rather than being like, I have to get to bed at this time. It's more like, you know, my boundary is I want to be in bed by at least 10.30. That's a cutoff cool. for me. Yeah, because that's an interesting way of putting it as well. Good old yin and yang. Look at us go. Um, yeah, so because sometimes if you feel like you have to do the thing, I have to yeah. journal now, it becomes a burden. And that's why I'm sort of like, nah, that's why, yeah, have your boundaries, then go through phases of what you feel like you might need. Um, mm-hmm. So journals are great for writing down your daily experiences and the lessons that you draw from them. It really increases mm-hmm. your self-awareness because you have that time just to be and actually mm-hmm. put it into paper. It improves clarity, deeper thinking, and you can put your dreams and goals down. And it actually, when you really get into it, you can feel that energy when it's written down. Sometimes I do it with like my favorite song and you just get pumped and it's like, shit, yeah, we're on yeah. for the day. I also have a, um, I also have a, uh, an electronic journal as well. Um, it's like a blog that I sort of use that I don't post. I sometimes send stuff out to my email subscribers, but I love typing because it's quick. And if okay. I don't like something, I can just backspace it and clean it up. Um, but obviously pen to paper, like when you're in bed is really powerful. And I love not having lines and just being able to write and be messy and do what you want. Yeah. You know what another good one is using uh, Siri on your phone or laptop. I, I always use Siri. I love it. Everything, I've gotten it down pat. Like, hey, how are you, question mark? Because you have to say the, the punctuation out loud. Oh, she but- gets she just always pipes up at the wrong time. Oh, I no, Google... I turn the automatic one off. I don't want them tracking what I'm doing every day. Oh, yeah, no. Nah. But then get it, get on the voice text. I don't know. I like it anyway. I should try it. But, you know, I barely use Messenger. I love that you're like, nah, I hate it. Oh, I should try it. Yeah, try it first. Well, you've convinced me. <laughs> um, I, I have like, well, we have like a Google. Um, a oh, Google... one of those Google Homes. Yeah, and you're like, hey, Google, play the playlist and she'll play it for you. And it's like, okay. Then sometimes she'll screw it up and I'm like, oh, it just doesn't. And then it takes longer. She probably can't understand the Aussie accents. (laughs) (laughs) That's what it is. Yeah, mate, I know. Yeah, mate. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. Um, Yeah, so people can get confused on where to start with journaling because it can be quite overwhelming just having pen to paper in your case your um your other version that you do so you can start by some basic guidelines that we've provided here so in the morning write down three things you're grateful for what would make today amazing three goals for the day and then some affirmations so i am i am a legend I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and that comes down to that identity as well and setting the tone mm. for the day. So they definitely are really good prompts. And um, as well as having like, um, you know, journals from Kiki and stuff like that that are written up for you. It's like I just know. We always talk about Kiki, but remember they shut down again. Hard to remind oh, you again. They're gone. Typo. No, oh, no. Typo. Any, yeah. Uh, it's a really good way. Sorry, Sherelle. It's a really good way to reflect on the day. So we had the morning guidelines just because people really always ask about this stuff. So I want to get it out there and say, listen to the podcast. So PM, uh, three good things that happened in the day. So you look back, how could today have been made even better? Some Mm. goals that you ticked off and something that you're looking forward to tomorrow. So this art of journaling has to be realistic. It's not just 
a happy day, yes, everything was amazing, kind of say, well, today I kind of let the ball drop on this. Let's, I could have improved X, Y, Z. And then to, yeah. and finish it on a good note. Tomorrow I'm really looking forward to this. Mm. I was um, doing that in isolation, writing down the things that I was looking forward to and trying to find the smallest things, you know, like I'm looking forward to my coffee in the morning, you know, just trying to find the really small things because sometimes when there isn't much to look forward to, um, (laughs) it's always easy to be reminded that there are those little joys that you can get out out of. But do you prefer journaling in the morning or at night or both? Um, Generally in the morning because when I'm in bed at night, I'm out in like two minutes. My aura ring warns me. They're like, it's like, you fell asleep too quick. <laughs> I'm like, how's it yeah. a thing? Uh, latency. 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 It's like two minutes and it's in orange. I'm like, oh, shit. Um, yeah. I'm in a really good habit now of doing it in the morning just because I needed this through isolation. So, again, I didn't probably yeah. journal for a good six months. And then now mm. I do it in the morning. I don't check my phone. I have some motivational stuff playing on YouTube on the TV as I'm journaling and it creates a really cool atmosphere. What about yeah. yourself? Uh, more at night time. So yeah. in the morning I like to read. I usually read a couple of pages of a book and I'm the same. Like I think it's easy to get stuck in that that cycle of getting up, checking your phone, getting straight into work and sometimes I like to do that there's periods of times where I do like to just get up work and sort of if you've got a lot to do rather than have the anxiety of the work to do if that makes sense because you'll be trying to meditate and journal you're like yeah so it's very dependent you know when you've got busy periods and then you know that that respite's coming Uh, but more often than not I like to just get up and read a couple of pages of the book a book and then um rather than the opposite because I fall asleep at night when I'm trying to read versus if I'm journaling i'm not going to fall asleep with the pen <laughs> yeah good yeah not ideal great mm. moving on take it away sherelle staying hydrated you know it's mm. so basic but it's really mm. undervalued isn't it it's you like, feel so yeah. tired when you haven't been drinking all day or you get headache you just can tell you don't function yeah. well if you're dehydrated mm. and some people seem to be like a guzzler like me I drink so much water and I don't know if it's because I grew up in a really hot place I've always drank a lot of water like at least four liters a day I would think mm. four to five liters of water a day I'll drink but yeah I just always find having a water bottle on me so I remember that episode we did with Gabby where she told us to throw out all the Tupperware yeah. I was dehydrated for like two days <laughs> until I found water <laughs> yeah that <laughs> was laugh filtered water from a glass yeah I felt so guilty Um, but yeah always having a water bottle in the car in my gym bag on me when I go for a walk you know to the shops every time I go to the shops I'm like mid-shop and I'm like oh thirsty and then I just end up buying one if I didn't bring one Um, but yeah the thing is always having it but some people I just don't know how they don't get thirsty how do people not get thirsty Well, they probably do, but then I don't know. You know how your body just adapts? Like we're so used to, I'm so dependent on having a drink bottle, like too dependent. I'm so clingy to my water bottle. Yeah, have a sip because when I um, (laughs) just spit it out. Thanks for that permission there. (laughs) Have a sip. I'm guzzling around you. Um, Well, you know how I'm doing some work with Gab for my hormone health, who we had on one of the previous episodes. 
I, my, one of my missions is to not drink as much because then I just pee out yeah. all the vitamins that she's trying to get me to take that I'm taking. Yeah. So my goal now is to stick to three litres because like you, I would have four or five litres. But she's like, no, you got to keep all the stuff in your body too. Like don't just flush mm. it all out. So I'm like, okay, yeah. three litres. Yeah, and you really should be able to hold your bladder for a couple of hours. You know, like I think a lot of people, the more that you urinate, the the more that you're going to have to urinate. You've got to train your bladder. Yeah. So, you know, it's like, I don't know, this is out of context, but if you ever have a catheter in, you know, you've almost got to... <laughs> it's like no one's... Had Every one time you say... One day, Danny, if you have a catheter Danny, or anyone that shit on me. <laughs> oh, neither. It looks so painful. Um, but when you get a catheter out, you've got to retrain your bladder. Yeah, you got to retrain it. it. And in all seriousness, Danny, this isn't spoken about, and it mm. leads to incontinence a lot of the yeah. time. So it's um, you know, it's one of those things is we actually should be able to hold our bladder for a couple of hours, not have to pee every hour, even if you're drinking a lot of water, you know. And a big thing as well is like when I started reducing caffeine, that was a big um, notice. For me. Like because obviously it's a diuretic, you yeah. know. And I'm like, yeah, we probably shouldn't be peeing every hour, you know. You're having a lot of caffeine. That's probably the cause. Yeah, you're right. It's a very good topic to actually bring up because you can, again, get into the habit. Oh, I'll just go just in case or I'm going to record the podcast. I'll just go like, that's literally my mind. But yeah, you've got to be aware of how often you're doing it. Otherwise, imagine if you're out somewhere, you're screwed. Like, and there's no toilet for like two, three hours. Game over. So yeah, start training yourself. Good, good point that you brought up there, actually. I remember there was, um, there was a competition going around ages ago when Nintendo Wii's were like the, all the rage and they just came out. And someone on the radio, there was a competition where whoever held their Wii the longest would win a Nintendo Wii. And someone actually ended up in hospital. Like, yeah, you, no shit. Yeah, was it a guy or a girl? It was a girl. Yeah, that's not good at all. No. We should hold our bladder. We should no. not hold our bladder. Um, <laughs> and yeah. if you do hold on for too long, it can lead to things like UTIs and stuff. So, mm, so there's that yeah. fine line then. It's a fine line. Um, that would not be good, though. No, oh the God. comp shut right down straight away. It was all over. Yeah. <laughs> I did have a Nintendo Wii, though, for a few years. They weren't very good. No, they weren't. They were shit. It's all about Nintendo and GameCube. Anyway, yeah. moving all hydration, uh, dehydration of just 1% to 2% of our body begins mm. to compromise internal function. So when you're yeah. actually feeling thirsty, that's when the compromising starts. So it's serious yeah. stuff. Yeah. And by the time that you're thirsty, you're already dehydrated as well. Like mm-hmm. by the time that you um, feel like you need to quench your thirst, like your body already needs hydration. So yeah. it's about staying hydrated, but then also, you know, not overdoing it, not consuming a whole lot of diuretics like caffeine and things like that. Um, and just having... I guess, an appropriate amount of water. Yeah. I was going to say, I'd argue as well, like, you know, you're exercising a lot. A lot of people say two liters. I would say like, you know, at least an extra liter like that if, you, if you're act, active and like it's summer as well in Australia. So it's going to be quite hot here. All mm. those sort of things you have to consider. Yeah. And getting your electrolytes in, your potassium, mm. sodium. You can even put a little bit of pink Himalayan salt in your water as well. And that actually helps absorption. So just a yeah. little bit though, you don't go turning into salty ocean. We've all yeah. swallowed that by accident. It's not a good time, but just a little bit 
of Himalayan salt can really do the trick for electrolytes. Mm, yeah, especially if you have a diet that's high in unprocessed foods. You know, you get a lot of sodium through um, canned foods, packaged foods, salts, sauces. So if you eat, and I find this is like, especially um, when you're dieting, you know, you just choose a lot of more of the foods. I have to add a lot of salt to foods so that I can stay quite hydrated. Um, I also find that I get jittery if I don't have enough salt. And I don't know if that's because of the hydration. Obviously, sodium and your blood pressure are really linkly, um, tightly um, connected. Mm. so if you do more than likely a lot of people listening have you know quite a unprocessed diet and it's summer and and you're drinking a lot of fluid just make sure you're adding salt to your food oh it's the best i put heaps i'm obsessed with chicken salt as well oh yum i'll have to give that one a go sounds good let's move on keeping calm Mm, easier Mm. said than done sometimes Keeping calm in general places less stress on the nervous system, ensuring improved health and wellness. And we all know that. We briefly touched on, not briefly touched on, we have in depth touched on with Michelle the stages of stress in our body, you know, the Mm. the alarm reaction, that fight or flight that we spoke about Mm. last episode as well, or two episodes ago. So there are a few stages of stress, the first one being being alarmed. It's activated during times of physical and emotional stress. Mm. In the short term, it can be reversed. But in the long term, that's when you notice your increased heart rate, you feel tired, your muscles ache, insomnia, your delayed absorption of nutrients, fat storage, and it can lead to illness and disease. Mm. In the long term, most definitely. And I think... One of the worst things you can say to someone when they're angry and is calm no, down. You go. They oh, like, stay yeah. calm, calm down. Who's done that to their parents and thought, I instantly regret that? <laughs> oh, my God, that's funny that you mentioned that because I, my mum hates that as well. Yeah, yeah they hate it. <laughs> calm down. It's like, you know, that we do it just to stoke the fire, right? Um, <laughs> sorry, mum. I guess like what, what I was saying, it's like the worst thing you can do is say calm down. But when it's yourself, You know, the closest link that we have to our parasympathetic nervous system is our breath. Mm. So nasal breathing, deep diaphragmic breaths is the easiest, easiest, quickest, most efficient way to activate your parasympathetic um, nervous system. Slow down your heart rate, slow down your respiratory rate, um, you know, bring your blood pressure back down to normal, reduce those stress hormones. So it's not so much about being like, okay, calm down. Like you can't just tell yourself to calm down. Once it's actually removing yourself from the environment, removing stimuli coming in, so light, sound, noise, and just having a few big deep breaths. And mm. I like to do this in between sets. Do you know, yep. like exercises, like I put on the M&M and I pump him up and I do my set and that's sympathetic, right? Like you're breathing hard and then, and then you just need to be like yin and yang, right? Sit back mm-hmm. down, calm back down, bring everything down so you can recover because the quicker that your heart rate comes down, the more oxygen you can get in through um, into your body and bloodstream and to your muscles, the more efficiently you'll recover and be able to get back into that next set. So yep. that's why I like to do it. Yeah, brilliant. And it also improves your focus and, and all of that mm. as well. So it's so important. I remember when I was really close to, to show day, I would do meditation in the car uh, before I went to the gym as well, just so I could really focus and know when to turn it on and, and pull back. So yeah, mm. that's really good. 
Um, because we have to take this stuff seriously. There's so much internal stress going on that becomes our new normal until you actually become calm and you're like, oh, is that how I'm meant to feel? Because if you mm-hmm. don't, if you let that stress response keep happening, your body goes through different phases. So stage two is resistance where everything tries to be balanced out. But if the stress is continuing, that's when you feel even more fatigued, your sleep gets worse and you feel even more sick. And you kind of get to the point where you don't feel productive. You're like, you you don't do anything. Um, Mm. But then as we've mentioned with Michelle, again, the collapse stage three, you get that exhaustion and you're like, do you ever feel so overworked? I know I have before. And you're just like, all of a sudden your body's like, nope. And you either get sick or something happens or you feel really down. That's that yeah. collapse where you've just redlined and pushed yourself too hard. Yeah. I always get sick after a show mm. and I, I accept that. You push so hard in those last few weeks. Luke always gets sick when school holidays comes around. I know a lot mm. of teachers do as well. I used to always get sick when I'd come back from a holiday away. Oh, so yeah. like, you know, I remember when Luke and I went backpacking, come back and got the worst flu um you know i was backpacking over in europe and stuff for so long and then come back and just you know back to normal life and then got sick and it's so common it's just because stress and that all those stress hormones and your sympathetic nervous system all that sort of stuff prolonged that will weaken your immune system and compromise you and this is why you see people that do have um i guess chronic illness or autoimmune diseases they're more susceptible to uh, disease and this is i guess even with the whole COVID thing Mm. uh, protecting our elderly cancer patients all that sort of stuff they're compromised Mm. and more susceptible to disease it's the same thing as us when we're run down we're more likely to pick up um you know the flu or whatever it might be yeah and as you mentioned earlier the breathing is so important so you can use a lot of meditation apps that are out there headspace calm insight timer there's a really good one called the box breathing app and you can set the amount of seconds on it for example five seconds you inhale for five hold for five exhale for five and then hold for five and it just takes you around this little box on the app first time i did it, i felt so lightheaded i'm like I must be just breathing so shallow the whole time. But then you train it and it's really cool. Mm. And there's a strategy, you know, and I think this is right if I could explain it properly, that they use for divers and people who play instruments and all that sort of stuff to train their breath as well as activate their um, parasympathetic nervous system. And it's in for four, hold for seven, exhale for eight. And you do that for four breaths. So it's an actual thing to be able to, um, like a lot of singers use it and like what I said, divers. And if you do it, you only need to do it four times and that's enough to really calm things down. That's cool. I'm trying to practice it as you're talking, but I'm like, mm. yeah, yeah, and it's, it's interesting important that you do it for the, those time frames. So holding for the seven seconds and then exhaling for the eight, like it's important that you get those splits, but there's lots of different ways to do it as well. Jeez, I'll have to work up to that though. Eight, all right. Challenge accepted. It's actually easy. It's Is actually it? easy once you do it a few times because it just makes you slow things down. Mm-hmm. And once you do it for a few breaths, it's not like that holding your breath, you know, it gets easier. It gets a lot easier and you learn how to really control your diaphragm. Yeah, that's cool. Very cool. All right, moving on, which we did touch on at the start, affirmations. So I am. It's easy to fall into that trap of negative thought patterns and our inner voice is always going, our subconscious or even, you know, when we are consciously thinking, 
we must catch ourselves on what we are telling ourselves because our thoughts become our actions. Like Mm. if we speak it, if we have it in our head, that's who we become. So it is really powerful to take note of affirmations. Maybe when you're journaling or, or if you're driving to work, just a time where you can tell yourself some amazing traits about yourself. Mm, yeah that's really important and it's also important to be able to on the opposite pick up on when you're telling yourself lies or when you're Mm -hmm. talking about yourself in a negative way we all do it from time to time being like I'm so clumsy or I always do that you know it's it's Mm. easy to pick up on the bad things rather than being like oh I did that thing again you know rather than sort of victimizing yourself to being and identifying as that it's more so just recognizing that that's a thing that's happened it's not you you can let it go you can change it you're in control yeah yeah and at the start of affirmations like it might feel a little bit weird particularly if you don't actually believe the thing about yourself but Mm. over time Take note, because I've been through this. You start, you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm awesome, I'm smart, I'm blah, blah, blah. And it's like, but then you actually put some energy into it, become your biggest cheerleader, and it's so powerful. And you're like, you know what? I am bloody awesome. Like, you really believe it, but give it mm. some time. Mm. And more importantly, collect evidence. So, like, you, oh, yeah. you can't look in the mirror and just say, I am strong. If you think you're weak... <laughs> There's no way you're going to be like, you know, collect evidence in yourself being like, recognize it, be like, oh, wow. Like, you know, for me, when I always, you know, have my limiting belief of not being smart enough, it was about collecting evidence on the areas that I was good at and acknowledging that and writing it down and reinforcing it and practicing my strengths. So, you know, we all have uh, things that we are good at and things that we are perhaps not so good at yet. It doesn't mean that you can't advance in those areas. So collect evidence and prove it to yourself. I love that. And that ties in nicely to our next point being visualization to collect that evidence, view it, but then also imagine scenarios in the future going well as a survival mechanism. I was obsessed with this. I'm like, why do I always imagine the worst case scenario? It's just a survival mechanism that your brain is trying to stop you from doing something new. Um, I think, yeah, you were the placebo or or one of those books by Joe Dispenza really elaborates on that. But, yeah, it's so powerful to visualize the event going well, whether it's you playing a sport or winning, shooting the winning goal or, you know, on stage having a, a difficult conversation. Because I remember when I did my first WBFF um, show, I was not happy with how I went on stage just because I was sort of not focused. And I've spoken about this before. So I was scared to get back on stage in July again. I'm like, I've got eight weeks. Oh, my God. I did not even put my heels on for probably two weeks after that. And then I'm like, no, Danny. All right. I visualized my posing routine. Yes, I practiced in real life as well. But I would, before I went to bed, ran through my routine in my head, like every detail of it, seeing the crowd and it's crazy. You can actually feel the emotions in your body and it just helps so much. I think visualization is one of the most underrated tools, not only if you're an athlete, but in everyday life as well. It is full on. Yeah. And that book that you mentioned there, um, 
the placebo is you is a really um, powerful book to read if you're someone who is objective like me um, that is like oh how can you visualize when it comes true you know when you actually look at a lot of the the stories that they talk about um, even cancer patients you know coming back from illness athletes that injure themselves and have to visualize themselves winning the race and then get a week of training and then win it you know all these sorts of things it's sort of scary but something that like recently happened to me I guess visualization and manifestation they're all sort of the similar similar concepts but I found my old journal from two years ago Mm. um, where I'd written down 101 things I wanted to achieve and one of them on there was the podcast remember I tagged you tagged me in it I sat down and I, I was like, Luke, look at this list. And I kid you not, 50 of them have been done. Yeah, like, man. And like another handful that are probably going to happen. But yeah. this is before we, just before we moved to Melbourne that I wrote that list. Whoa. And some of them on there were just, I was like insane. How mm-hmm. scary. And that's just, I like barely opened that journal. That's just from writing a list. Mm-hmm. Obviously in the back of my mind, you know, yeah. you're writing things down, you want to achieve them, you're looking for them, you're seeking out the opportunities and you're taking those action steps subconsciously. Mm-hmm. Um, but that shook me a little bit because I was like, wow, imagine what you could achieve if you revisited this more frequently. Yeah, it all comes under what's called quantum physics and I'm not here to make it very scientific, but guys in guys and girls, in your own time, look up quantum physics. It's actually, which we've spoken briefly about how you're thinking of someone and then they, they're they thinking of you and you text at the same time and things like that. We do that all the time. Yeah, that, that's right. We did that this morning with the Google Doc. Yeah, when we're writing up the notes for this podcast this morning. Um, yeah. Talking to each other. The exact same second, like, but yeah. a, a really easy example of visualization if you let's slow down now imagine yourself biting into a lemon do you salivate yeah yeah that's visualization there's no lemon you made that with your mind yeah it's crazy it's like when you walk past when you when you smell something as well like the same with your senses and you start salivating like oh i can already test it yeah (laughs) similar yeah yeah and i'm yeah absolutely similar (laughs) but not really sherelle Um, not like it was a good one and and that's a thing that does happen (laughs) yeah well i remember um reading this interesting study about it's a bit cruel but they had you know two hands laid down and and they were sort of doing the knife with one (laughs) and the the i know six psychology studies back in the 90s or whatever but the person felt pain yeah wow even though like the knife it was a fake hand they thought it was yep. theirs yeah you know there's so much more to the psychology about well, <laughs> you know, what happened what were you gonna say sorry yeah well even you imagine like i visualized that and then i felt weird i was like Ew. yeah a hundred percent so yeah. imagine how powerful you can be if you keep telling yourself positive powerful messages because mm. either way whatever if you're thinking positive or negative it's going to come into your brain so try and make the conscious effort to use this to your favor because your body and mind is going to try and be in survival mode and, and think of the worst case scenario and try and prevent you from changing. So you actually have to make a conscious effort to change your language, visualize and have your affirmations, but it works. It like your list, man, it works. Yeah. I might have to write a new list. Hell yeah. I'm excited. Write it. Cause it will come true. Mm. Yep. I think we've crossed over into the next one being language. 
So, mm. oh, actually, a lot of people write goals. I'm getting so passionate. Sorry, I'm just like on. This stuff pumps me up. People write their goals down and they're like, I want to earn a million dollars, for example. But the universe is smiling at that and your language is smiling at that because if you want, you will forever be wanting because the word want actually comes from a place of lack, meaning you don't have it yet. So mm. for another example, you would say, I am a millionaire, not mm. I want a million dollars. Identifying. Yeah. Identifying. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Mm. So instead of using want, hope, wish, I have, I can, I am. Gain. I will. I will. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's interesting because when you do believe something as well, you never say, oh, I want to do that. You say, oh, I'm going to, you know, yeah. I will. This is going to happen. We say it with so much confidence, but when it's something that we're unsure about, still reserved about, that's when we do adopt that language of like need, can't have, sort of working towards. It's like, no, 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 you're going to get it. Go after it. Go get it. Mm-hmm. Yep, for sure. Should we move on? Absolutely. Nutrition. Nutrition. Now, we won't spend too much time on this because we have recorded three previous episodes on flexible dieting advanced flexible dieting and then we had the amazing tiara nelson on so episode 12 28 and 31 but naturally it is a part of our habits to have mm. good nutrition because you are what you eat simple absolutely and i think as well with nutrition it's something that everyone struggles with so if information was the barrier we wouldn't have half the problems that we do today and people wouldn't struggle with their nutrition so if that doesn't highlight that your habits and routines surrounding all these things, not the lack of knowledge, everyone sort of somewhat knows what they should be doing. It's more about instilling it as a habit and a routine that you default to. It's really mm -hmm. important. It's really important to recognize where the psychology comes into play. Yeah, absolutely. And it is about consistency with this rather than being perfect. A lot of people, yeah. we follow like an 80-20 rule. 20% being, you know, your higher sugar foods that taste a little bit nicer. Um, I'm not going to use the word good or bad, but it's about that consistency with this simple guidelines, you know, aim to have proteins, carbs, and fats. So the macronutrients that we elaborated mm. on in our other episodes and have more food around your workouts, have the, get mm. the carbs and, and proteins sort of around your workouts, simple mm. guidelines, just little yeah. habits that you can start off with. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, regardless if it's nutritional training or anything, it's always consistency over intensity. So I think a lot of people always go all in, they're clean eating for a week and then mm. that's it. Whereas if you're like, okay, maybe if you adopted that 80% rule um, and did it for a longer period of time, you would see better results than if you just went all in intensely and then sort of fell off because it was unsustainable. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the last point, that we also have another episode on sleep. So sleep hacks episode 19. We really delved into that, which was quite ironic because we recorded it on a Saturday night and we were on my couch, pretty sleepy. So it was real time oh, yeah. sleeping us in that episode, but it was great. Sleep is, it's so important. It's a vital indicator of our overall health, recovery and well-being. And mm. when I was younger, I used to be like, yeah, I'll sleep when I'm dead. And no one ever remembers the night that you don't have too much sleep. And how times have changed. Nine o'clock. Oh. I want to be out like a light. Mm. It's like, yeah, well, if you adopt that mindset of I'll sleep when I'm dead, you're probably going to die sooner than what you would anyways. <laughs> like what we, you wish for. 
Yeah, exactly. And they know this, like, you know, the biggest human trial happens every year and it's called daylight savings and more people die on the road than any other day of the year when you're deprived of one extra hour of sleep. So it's a big thing. Yeah, that's a big thing. Savings two weeks ago. Yeah, more people die on the road during that from one hour of sleep deprivation as well as heart heart attacks from stress. Uh, it's scary when you look at the statistics of sleep, but this is why it's a big boundary for me um, is mm. doing your best around it and recognizing when you've had a good night's sleep, as well as when you need to pick yourself up because a lot of these habits we do have control over. Yeah, for sure. And it's the biggest biohack as well. Like everyone wants, mm-hmm. you know, the most efficient recovery methods. It's like sleep, man, get your seven and eight hours. That's going to do you so much better than any other pill or any other method or protocol or cryotherapy thing out there. Yeah, 100%. And what was I going to say? I can't remember now because I'm laughing about the cryotherapy thing. But, (laughs) yeah, it's so true. People just look for fancy things and it's like, no, we were designed to sleep. So that's Mm -hmm. what I was going to say you're better off sometimes actually getting a good night's sleep than doing that extra workout or that extra cardio. Like you'll drop more weight or feel way better if you actually sleep instead of trying to train more. Mm. Oh, most definitely. Mm. And, you know, I can, I can really uh, test this as well. Like I've dieted and, and done comp prep and peak week with night duty. And although, yes, calories in and calories out and energy balance is super important, it was always harder for me to drop weight when I'm working night duty and not mm. just weight but body fat as well. It's, it was a lot harder for me to do it. It's still possible, right? But you're constantly putting your body under that um, significant amount of stress and you just got to know that and be aware of it and how to work around it. Absolutely. So some, speaking of being aware, some signs that you can look out for, do you have trouble sleeping? Do you wake up already feeling tired? Do you depend on caffeine throughout the day, finding it hard to concentrate or sleepy throughout the day, feeling fatigued during exercise and like general body aches, all these signs pop up. Like Mm. you'll be able to notice if you actually slow down and pay attention, you'll be like, Mm. yeah, actually I'm pretty tired or I should have a good night's sleep. All the signs are there. And a good indicator is, um, you know, if you can afford to like just getting rid of your alarm clock for a little bit and seeing when you wake up or when you go to sleep and doing that on the weekends, like if you've got the option, uh, cause you'll find like, if you're overtired, you will sleep, you know, you will sleep and it takes a little time for your circadian rhythm to get back into the jig of things. But if you allow your body, you will wake up when you're supposed to, you will feel tired when you're supposed to, and you will get a good night's sleep. You know, we're the only species that consciously deprives ourselves of sleep. So yeah, like you'd never think a dog, oh, I've got to get to work today, you know, staying awake, (laughs) would you? But we do it. And obviously you have to, Um, you have to for some extent, but you know, when you can start actually paying back that sleep debt and, you know, getting your hours in order, going to bed when you feel tired, waking up when you feel fresh, skipping the caffeine at 4, 4 PM and doing all the things that you know you should be. Yeah. It's a big boundary. Yeah, I'm pretty lucky because I don't have to wake up to an alarm. I used to, like, yeah, just because of work and life, but then I've changed my schedule around so I don't have to. And it makes the world of a difference when you naturally wake up. And, I mean, I don't Mm. sleep in. I still wake up like 6 a.m. or whatever. But 
if something wakes me up like a magpie in the springtime, magpies right outside my window. So that acts like an alarm sometimes. On the days that the magpies wake me up when I'm not ready, I'm so much more tired throughout the day. So Mm. that would replicate an alarm. Like if you wake up in the middle of your cycle without your body naturally wanting to, it actually makes a difference. But, Mm. you know, in, in a realistic world, not everyone can have that luxury. So try and get to bed a little bit earlier just so you're not in such a deep sleep when your alarm goes off. Yeah. Or even um, the, the light alarm clock was a big um, that's helper right. in that, in like waking you up over a period of time. So it can make you rise when you're in those lighter stages of sleep. So you're not waking up in a deep stage and feeling groggy. Yeah. Um, or open the blinds yeah, or something. Yeah. Open it up to natural sunlight. That's what mm. I loved about um, like I hate daylight savings. You know, it's so bright. You hate early. it? I love it. No, no, no. Yin and yang, baby. No way. I love it being light at 8 p.m. or whatever. No, I would rather go to bed. (laughs) That's all right. I'm I'm a super traditional early bird, and I know you are as well, but it's really interesting. So I was talking to Luke about this the other day because he's a night owl. He's a dead-hard night owl. And there is a difference, right? There is actually physiologically a difference. So someone who's an early bird, their melatonin will release generally before 10 p.m., whereas more of a night owl is around that midnight. So it's physiologically like legit. So Luke's definitely a night owl. He'll sleep from like 12 at midnight or whatever until about 7.38, whereas I'm very much like a 9 9 p.m. starting to get ready for bed, feeling tired until more of like a 5 or a 6. But obviously our environment, work, all those sorts of things shapes you into your routine, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But on the holidays, Luke will definitely gravitate towards being a night owl. He gets more productive work done in the afternoon, whereas I'm the opposite. You know, Mm -hmm. so it is about understanding what you are. So a lot of people who are athletes as well tend to be early birds. And they've looked at this as like, you know how we were speaking about the most optimal time to train? A Mm. lot of people will like tend to train in the morning. Mm. Statistically, a lot of people who are um, high-level athletes are actually early birds. And those who were night owls had more impaired recovery or more fatigued states or issues with sleep than those who were early birds, which I found really interesting. That is interesting and it makes sense because – in the sleep stages, so um, two of them being physical and mental repair. So you get that physical repair between 10 and 2 a.m. So any time that you're awake after 10 p.m., uh, you're missing that stage of physical repair. So it makes sense, actually. Mm, yeah, it's very interesting. So what can people do to improve their sleep? Again, we touched on it in episode 19 if you want a real thorough detail, but I'd love to have a little recap on what people can do. To improve sleep. Yeah, so I guess, um, you know, understanding what sort of type you are, if you're an early bird or a night owl, and if you can, respecting that, you know, like I used to always try and get Luke to be like, come to bed, come read, you know, but now <laughs> I sort of know, okay, well, it's probably counterintuitive because I wouldn't want him trying to keep me up at midnight. So yeah. we just sort of halfway and, and um, so respecting that if you can, as well as adopting all the things that everyone knows they should be doing, you know, limiting caffeine in the later half of the day, um, aiming for a good sleep opportunity. So that means, you know, giving yourself at least eight or nine hours in bed, because we know that if you're in bed for a certain period of time, you're not sleeping for that entire period of time. So if you're only giving yourself a seven hour sleep opportunity, you know, you're probably only actually getting like six and a half hours of sleep, which is yep. not enough. 
Water is a big one for me. So being a big guzzler, I always try to reduce my water and tea consumption later in the day. So I'm not getting yeah. up twice tea. I'll always get up once, but if I can make it just once, then that's then that's good for me. Mm-hmm. Um, what other tips? Reducing screen time and bright lights. I don't um, and then having the lights matching the horizon. So I turn this little lamp on that's behind me and it's quite dark on my salt lamp. I don't have the, the yep. lights on the roof as well, limiting screen mm-hmm. time. But yeah, I don't really have yeah. a problem going to sleep just because I'm so routine. The problem mm-hmm. is then if I have to go to an event or something that's past 10 p.m., my body is so like clockwork oh, yeah. that not only am I like sleepy on the dance floor, the next morning I wake up at like six o'clock or seven yeah. or something. Do you get that? Like, not that we go yeah. out by anymore, but that's mm. what would happen. Yeah. And I always found um, with night duty, I'd do that. And sometimes, you know, I'd still wake up at the 5 or 6 a.m., but trying to sleep in would actually make it worse. So I'll just get in, deal with the sleep deprivation and just go to bed and try and have my routine back in track. But yeah, um, speaking of the screen time, I've been trialing blue blockers, but I've been trialing them for about six weeks now consistently to see if I notice a difference because I haven't sort of, um, you know, been like, oh, I'm wearing blue blockers because I always like to try things. But yeah, that's good. I don't know if I notice a huge difference. They make me feel sleepier, mm-hmm. but I don't have a problem with feeling sleepy. So yeah, it's interesting because yes, it so they're designed to reduce the blue light that is emitted from technology. However, I still think that the stimulus of, of us watching moving things on a screen and having to think like that would still keep you awake as well. So mm. it might help a little bit, but then we still shouldn't be staring at a screen anyway because there's stuff going on in our brains like, oh, trying to analyze the screen. I don't know. That's my yeah. opinion. But again, I haven't tried them, so I don't yeah. know. Mm. Yeah, no, you're dead right. Like, you know, stimulis is everything. And it's not just um, screen time, it's light in general. So it's, yeah. it's it's light in general, it doesn't matter of the colour. So dimming any lights in the house is a good idea. You know, I guess how nice would it be by candlelight? I think I'd be out in like five minutes if we had oh, to turn yeah. the lights off. Yeah, absolutely. How romantic. All right, that was a cool one. So talking about our habits and rituals, we went through journaling, hydration, keeping calm, affirmations, visualization, language, nutrition, and sleep. Mm, really important topics. And we hope everyone gained some insight from this episode or took something useful away. So if that's the case, please do take a screenshot, tag myself, tag Danielle, and of course, the Level Up podcast. Thank you. important topics and we hope everyone gained some insight from this episode or took something useful away so if that's the case please do take a screenshot tag myself tag danielle and of course the level up podcast thank you